And we're back on uh, the Split Take podcast. I don't know where we're at. This is like, I'm at a weird time loop because I just, I'm editing Bakurao (laughs) to be released tomorrow. I just saw. And that's like a a, a blast from the past. Well, yeah, I was looking today. I finally got back to work today. So I'm I'm like, now that I'm at work, I should say now that I... I had free time before. I had nothing but free time before. But for some reason, it's me being at work is when I'm constantly like advertising podcast stuff. I don't know why. But today I was like, oh, I I haven't updated. I haven't posted on my Instagram story in a while. I haven't posted these podcasts to Letterboxd in a while. Let's go. And it was naked, which we've seen two months ago now. (laughs) So, you know, it's fine, though, because that means if we want to one of these weeks, we can take a vacation if we want, but I mean, I I just need to edit in advance, which I can do. Yeah, and then I can set everything to be published, and we can disappear. We can go into the ICU for coronavirus. We could for a full month. We could. and no one would know. Well, if this was no one would notice. If this was a chore, I would say so. But it's just movie. I was gonna watch these movies anyways. And we're talking about a lot of movies this we week. We are. This is arguably... I say week, and this is well, probably going to be split over a couple weeks. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Uh, for a movie that... Or for a podcast that goes into the BFI list, this is by far the most British episode of our podcast yet. Oh, shit. It, it is. Really wow. is. Four British films. Yeah, four? I didn't realize that. I didn't make that I connection. Don't what, we're talking about, what we're talking about first, Jacob, is first... We have a few things to talk about. First, well, let's, uh, let's... Should go. I go straight into the big one? You clear. I'm interested. The big one is that Jacob updated a month ago. Updated a month ago. Published four months ago. Four months ago was Jacob's favorite movies list. Which at one point was it not fifty movies? Yeah. So we've. This will be a reoccurring topic because I'm always changing this thing. Mm -hmm. It was fifty movies at one. Actually, sixty-six movies at one point, and then fifty movies, and then I think it's hovered around. 30, 25, 20 for a while. And I think I'm sticking at 25. Okay. I think 25 is a good, solid number. And for those of you who don't go, who are not on Letterboxd, um, my list, like I'll say, like list was created on March 30th. So that's when I deleted the old He's list. He's trying to rationalize. And started fresh. Yeah, okay. No, I'm not trying to rationalize. <laughs> I'm letting you know, I'm letting the listeners know my process. Okay. I deleted my old list and it was like, I need to remember all my favorite movies. And if I can't remember it, it probably shouldn't be on the list. True. So then I remade it. And then in Letterboxd, I update it. Like I move things around. And on May 15th, I made a little update note. On June 14th, I made a little update note. And those are like small little changes here and there. So nothing, nothing big. But I've been, this list has been with me since late March. Okay. And I'm very curious as to what channel well, there's has a few. spotted in here. Uh, first up, well, I I also made the switch recently to, um, it used to be 40 movies and now it's 30. Um, which I feel 40, 40, well, when I initially made the list at 40, it was because, okay, I don't, I hardly have 40 five-star movies. Since then, I've seen like four or 500 movies. So I've gotten a few more five-star movies. Um, but yes, your, your 25 favorite movies, Jacob. Uh, I, I'm not... The more I look at this, the more confused I well, get. Well, there's a few things. There's a few things. Okay. The two major okay, ones. Let's go. Look, we, there's a bunch of these movies here that I don't feel anything towards, but you love. We've been through this. Burning, Eight and a Half, Your Name, In the Mood for Love. These are all movies that I'm like, okay, pretty good. 
I understand why they're up there. I don't see it. However, there are two huge, I'm going to say mistakes. They're mistakes. (laughs) Three, actually. Three mistakes. All right. The first Uh, one. If you get, here's my, here's my thing. Okay. If you can get me, I'll be very charitable. If you can get me to admit on all three accounts that they're mistakes. Yes. I'll buy you a criteria. Okay. (laughs) Well, number one. And this this one especially hurts because this is a movie that I thought we shared similar adoration for. Where is the third man? How did the third oh, man yes. fall? The third man has been a, one of the mainstays of my top ten since I got on this stupid app. And we've gone into detail on multiple occasions on how this movie is amazing. And you even made a point to say dropped it from the list. So my question, Jacob, is what the hell? What are you doing? Okay. Um, <laughs> I've won my bet already. I'm not going to admit a mistake here. I know that wasn't a mistake because you, you highlighted it. I didn't highlight it. I made, I made note. I'm not trying to hide anything from anyone here. This isn't... I also removed Andre Rublev, which is... I can't comment. <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah, which you haven't seen. No. Uh, hmm. The fact of the matter is, is I haven't seen The Third Man in a while, and that merely comes down to I haven't been in a rewatching mood lately. Okay. Normally, uh, on my other years, it's been pretty good 50-50 that I will rewatch stuff and watch new stuff. And this year, I think it's a good, it's going down, like the percentage is going down, so it's 60-30 right now, I think. Like sixty percent new stuff, thirty percent. I'll be honest, sixty thirty. Okay, well you're it missing a ten percent with the with that math. Sixty five, thirty five. Ten percent. You're just it recreating the. It might be more like eighty twenty. Okay. Then I think well, that's still, a, a much better. Uh, well, I'll, that's surprising me because I could have swore one of the first times um, we talked, you told me that you don't like to rewatch movies much. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking when I said that because that was clearly. Uh, a lie it was not necessarily a well lie. it was, it was wrong it was I, I don't even know what it was but yeah for the longest time I, I i was under the impression that you didn't like to rewatch movies but i like to rewatch some movies like there's probably like a hundred movies i will rewatch a lot and the rest i don't like to rewatch so i'm constantly recycling yeah a hundred films it makes sense at least before i, I think it'd, it'd be a very select list some of my favorite movies i've yet to rewatch Come and see. I've only seen it once. Look, I haven't. I've also haven't seen Eight and a Half in a while, and that one I've been considering. I need a rewatch to figure out if it if it needs to stay at two or or move. Some other stuff. In the mood for love. I've been thinking about rewatching. I will put. I will put the third man. I'll say this. I'll put the third man on my rewatch list. <laughs> Probably won't get to it for a okay. while. My viewing schedule for August is already filled up completely. Fair. But uh. We'll, well, we'll let's see. see. Uh, I still really like it. It's still it's a amazing. Hundred percent film. This this isn't so much a a a a, um, a criticism, but I, I I am interested. I didn't realize you liked Paris, Texas that much. It, it has uh, a lot of personal reson- resonance. It's a for me. very emotional movie. I love it. It's just really great. It is. No, you're that that is towards the top of my rewatch list and the reason i thought about it the other day is that the guy who shot it uh robbie muller he is mm-hmm. jim john Rush's principal dp 
Oh, well, look at that. Paris, Texas. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's it's absolutely the Southwest, gorgeous. so it, it feels very close to home. There's a lot of stuff in that film that feels close to home, but it, it's also a road trip movie. It is, and good old uh, yeah, it's just great. Stanton. Yeah, I didn't realize um, Punch Drunk Love and Francis Ha were that high up too. They're they're hovering. They're like a pair of two thousands two thousand ten. Films that just kind of they, they they like go together for some reason in my mind. I also think it's interesting that they're um that you have the only two directors that you have on here twice are uh, Miyazaki and um Kurosawa. Yeah, um, I have to physically restrain myself from putting more of their films on this list. I don't want to see Miyazaki too too much like a weeb or a, <laughs> J- a Japanophile. So I I do take that into account and. Uh, that's why high and low is not on this list which also kind of hurts because i you know i i it's like right off there it's yeah. it's in the top three i feel like we here, like so. a lot of the same kurosawa movies um mm. yojimbo is my least favorite five star kurosawa i love that phrase least <laughs> favorite five star kurosawa is literally the only director who i intentionally put off watching his movies because i always want to have something to discover throughout my life mm. as of right now my favorite is akiru for the longest time it was high and low but when i watched akiru i was just like blown away and the only kurosawa movie i'm not crazy about is uh <laughs> ron <laughs> ironically enough oh you need to rewatch that well one. i've just never been a shakespeare fan okay uh i can't well it's it's barely shakespeare it's yeah okay i'm not even gonna comment in your name in the top 10 we've 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 done this <laughs> We will eventually. This is going to be like the promised episode that we. This will is going to be the, the may never get to take that like that when we get to the, our discussion on your name and it's not even your name versus it's not. It's night is short because <laughs> we both love night is short and I like your name. To be fair, I like it. I like it fine. It's not versus. It's just like we're trying to get the other person through force to like our own film better and both of us know it's not gonna happen but both of us are not gonna get up give up we're we're holding out hope i think there's there's a bit of yeah no your name is just i don't know it's a lot like uh, paris texas where it a lot of the themes and ideas that it's touching on are just very I'll admit uh, things I like to think of. That's fair. And it's it's it, cute. It just holds resonance for me, whether that's personal or just kind of intellectual. I just like it. Uh, I'll admit I've never heard nor seen La Ventura. I was just curious. We we briefly talked about this the other week when I because I, I bought it. It was one of my uh, acquisitions. This Barnes and Noble sale. Mm. You actually you haven't have you you haven't seen an Antonioni film, have, have you? No. He's one of the most interesting directors, not as a person, but his directorial style. Style. Like he's up there with Ozu and, you know, the kinds of directors that are very idiosyncratic with what they do. And it's almost instantaneously recognizable. Yeah. And it's very off putting if you are not into it. That's fair. And it took me a while to get into it. And we have. Eclipse is going to be the first Antonioni film we'll watch in a few weeks, which is The Eclipse. That used to be my favorite Antonioni film, but then La Aventura has been growing on me, and it is a so it's good. It's a classic. It is. 
it's in the top 20 of the uh, BFI list. Is so it really? Wild oh, to, okay, gotcha. to get to there. No, yeah. I meant the other. Antonio it's one of those, movie. I might say, monumental films in terms of film aesthetics, mm-hmm. like Citizen Kane. And like it's that kind of, has that kind of weight in terms of uh, developing the means of expression in film. Mm. It, it's it's a movie that infuriated audiences when it, when they first watched it. And it's it's taken a good two years of thinking and ruminating about it for it to get on this list. So it's not something I necessarily think people would like on a first viewing, at least. Uh, well, one thing here is a mistake you made. Okay. It, well, literally a mistake. It says that you added F or fake and it's not on here. So ah. you must have forgot, I guess. Uh, I also want to. Oh, maybe I moved. Maybe I deleted it in on June and didn't add that note. Mm. I also just want to point out that I've seen there are only th- that is a mistake. You got one. I did. I'm, well, I'm, okay. I'm not gonna get. Well, I don't know. Uh, there's only currently. It says that there's three movies on here that I haven't seen, but I must have forgot to log one. So I've seen the only two on your list that I have not seen are La Ventura and Army of Shadows. But I bought Army of Shadows specifically because you love it so much so i'm going to watch it probably tomorrow but here is my biggest gripe my biggest okay. complaints and it kind of breaks there's my something mind. else i need to touch upon okay before we let me make a note so i don't forget the biggest thing and this, this one probably breaks my heart the most because i feel like me me and nathan always have the big lebowski and i felt like me and you always had the original blade runner and now you went ahead and took the original Blade Runner off and added 2049, which is good. But come on. Better than the original Blade Runner? He's rationalizing. Let, no, no, no. Let me... My note that I made to remind me, this, this is important. <laughs> You'll also notice something else is on this list, which I declared last year. Okay. Parasite was the best film. Yeah. But you will notice that Parasite is not on Which this list. Which I'm surprised list. at, by the way. But continue. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is on this list. Oh, no. <laughs> so I will very much, and, and I think this probably applies to something like Your Name or Monty Python and the Holy Grail or even Burning. Mm-hmm. Very much uh, hold up that my my choices for this are not based on what I think is a necessarily better film if we were to rank them versus other things yeah but what are more in in a current sense personally affecting which i still would have thought that's why which another one which has been criminally not seen by me in a long long time and i generally think that if you haven't seen something in a while like a long while it's bet your it's your best bet to put it off to the side, put something new on, and then revisit. And when you revisit it, then maybe you can uh, okay. re-figure out your your thoughts on these things. Mm-hmm. With when it comes to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I I love it equally with Blade Runner, not necessarily less or more. And there's just something so magical <laughs> about Deacon's cinematography, the design of that film. It I like the neo-noir kind of dirty grunginess of the original Blade Runner, but there's something just so slick and clean about the digital look 
of 2049 that is currently making allows me to put it there it is probably more for an aesthetic purpose that's on this list than it is exact reason i prefer the original is that which i understand completely no i admit they're both amazing i think the 2049 when i saw it for the first time i was blown away i was considering saying it's better than the original um since then i've rewatched both and i like the original more and 2049 a little less the only reason why i agree with you that the digital look is perfect for blade runner um i think on a story level 2049 is miles better than the original like things happen (laughs) characters do things things happen things happen characters do things the ending is amazing when tears in the rain comes back oh incredible um but the original there obviously 2049 had a lot going for it as far as recreating the look of the original goes but there is still a a very digital component to a lot of the um a lot of the world design um it's not as tangible as the the practical effects in the original are and i th- i feel like that digital look like you said there is a a, a neo noir like a grunginess to the original that i really love that is timeless and the new one still feels dirty but it feels sleek at the same time um and i also feel like there's multiple moments in blade runner 2049 where they just they they take a little too much time to absorb the world the one that i always think of is when ryan gosling is approaching the or k is approaching the spot where he hid his little wooden horse in the factory it's like 45 seconds of him walking towards this little hidden compartment where I'm like, okay, that would have been five in the original. But they're both great. I just, I can't help but feel offended that you, uh, you, you gave in to the objectively better movie. <laughs> All right, here, here's my question for you. I'm curious. I think both of us have, we approach our f- favorite movies lists a little differently. Similar, similarly, but differently. What? movies on your top 10 currently would you never get rid of on my top 10 you just have this kind of currently like you know for a fact that they will probably within a reasonable time frame not leave that list never leave not leave the top 10 all right i'm gonna pull it up i don't believe in the word never well no i I guess you you could say never feasibly see it in the top 10 and there's a follow-up question to this as well how many how many movies on my list in my current top 10 do you think i would hold the same opinion like how many of those 10 do you think i will i could not foresee as someone who constantly changes this yeah. list which two which couple which grouping of films would i never take off for okay for me there are four I can honestly say that in my top 10 list, the four that I don't think will leave are Lewin Davis, Lebowski, Blade Runner, and The Third Man. Everything else I could see subject to change. Now, how many did you want me to say on your list? How many do you think? How many do you think? Okay. I'm going to say three. It's the top three. Okay, I'm, I'm cheating. The first two, I think, will be there for the top 10. As, you know, whatever. The third one, I'm not necessarily saying it's Empire. 
just for reference, Jacob's top three movies are Fanny and Alexander, Eight and a Half, The Empire Strikes Back. The first two, I don't imagine ever leaving the top ten, or at least the foreseeable future. The third one, uh, it's The Empire Strikes Back. Maybe it won't be The, M- uh, the Empire Strikes Back, but I feel like it will be something Star Wars related. Which I guess the only other option is A New Hope. <laughs> Unless I went with the meme and put Revenge of the Sith there. <laughs> Which, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, that has been one of my mainstay <laughs> favorite films. I would say those two. Which Three. I have consistently rationalized my way around like every year you try and every year you fail there are there there are two films on the in the top 10 that i don't foresee ever leaving and this is why i think we we approach these lists a little differently because you only got you technically got one correct and it's empire really (laughs) yeah empire and monty python the holy grail are the only two films on there i don't foresee pretty much ever leaving again someone who doesn't believe in the word never and it's because those two films are so like monumental in my development as a human being Mm -hmm. as like they were some of the first films i remember watching a lot yeah and again and again that there's something just kind of like a gut reaction to them that the others don't have because the others are very recent additions and they're they're there for cinematic purposes and those two are there for purely personal childhood reasons and that's why i don't think they're ever going to leave yeah then we we do have a difference because the only movie in this top 10 that has that for me is goodfellas and there are days where i'm like goodfellas is amazing but taxi driver's better there are days where i feel that and that's why i i won't say that it'll stay there forever because i feel like one of these days i'm just like i never thought i'd say there's a movie better than or a Cohen movie better than Lebowski, I said, Lewin Davis, one of those days is going to happen. Well, back in my previous favorite movies list that I retired, mm. that one had, in the top 10, that one had Lawrence of Arabia, The Third Man, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh my God, I just remember you did The Grand Budapest Hotel. Your Name, that hurts. Three Colors Red, that hurts. Burning, we're not there. You know, I, Three Colors Red is an interesting one to me. It, it three no I'm just I'm surprised you like it that much. Uh, it's the only one of those three movies that I, I think am too. is a masterpiece. It's my favorite of the three. It's the only one I love, but I don't know for some reason that surprised me. Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel that hurts, but at the same time I literally monthly I change the one Wes Anderson movie I allow on my favorites list, and this month it is World's Head Bumps. I don't know. This list is subject to a lot of change. I could like a year from now I could be completely different I well no i understand that but it was things like we'll see where it we're was at. things like blade runner and the third man i thought were sacred but nothing is sacred to be fair blade runner was one of my was my favorite film uh, for uh, at least a year of my life yeah that's why i thought it was sacred but it is not i change him pretty pretty regularly every couple of years <sighs> well alas uh we'll see so what do we want to get into next because i forgot i also have my criterions but i don't know if we wanted to wait i think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a movie one of our movies and then i have a a little interlude topic i'd like to bring up and then we can talk about some criterions later on four movies to talk about today yes let's i'm going to set a timer so that we're we're keeping to fairly short i know three of them four the fourth one is i don't know (laughs) well have i seen it (laughs) Dear view, dear viewers, Chandler has watched all movies this week. 
because I followed. He watched them first, and I followed. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Is one of them Gloria? No, but we, we, <laughs> we could have that. Talk, we both did talk about Gloria. We well, don't. Okay, talk so about it's um, fine. The two movies we have on the schedule for this week are Palm Springs. Oh, I forgot. Okay, never mind. I, I, a Clockwork Orange. The one, ironically, I forgot about was Palm Springs. <laughs> The newest one was the one that was most forgettable. Uh, we we decided Palm Springs because it's new and we want to do something yeah, yeah. new. That's also not British. Look at that. Okay, so it is almost our most British episode ever. Well, it probably still is just by virtue of the fact that we're talking about three films that are British and we normally just talk about two. Uh, anyway, we're talking about uh, Clockwork Orange, which is on the BFI Sight and Sound. We're doing best films of all time list. Then we're talking about The Red Shoes, which Chandler watched, and I was like, well, I'm not going to have him rewatch it. I would. He probably will. I would. It was amazing. But at the same time, I was like, this is a, as good a time as ever because I was feeling a, a rewatch myself. So I watched that as well. And I had bought Topsy Turvy a week ago, watched it, and then Chandler bought it, and he watched it, and I was like, oh, fuck <laughs> it, might as well talk about that because it's uh, Mike Lee. Why not? So those are our films. Which one do we want to talk about first? Let, I'm willing to throw out the the playbook and we could talk. Go for anything. Okay. First one, I think we should. Let's start with Palm Springs. I feel it's Palm. Palm Springs. My my episode title, my recording title is a topsy turvy red palm orange. <laughs> trying to that's, merge that's all horrible. four together. <laughs> that's terrible. It is. Never name your film that. <laughs> okay. Well, Palm Springs is the first movie. It is a recent movie. It's a 2020 movie. It's one of three movies that's come out this year, apparently. Um, it is a movie directed by... I don't know their name. Max Barbacow. Max Bar. And what it is... <laughs> of course. Uh, and what it essentially is, is it's Groundhog Day, as in it's stuck. At, they're stuck in an infinite time loop, but it's two people at a wedding in palm spring millennial groundhog millennial day. groundhog day um also you know since we're bringing it up i just i because I, I gave you shit about this the other day i saw groundhog day for the first time this year ever mm -hmm. um and i realized that you gave it five stars do you care to elaborate uh yeah do you care to elaborate yourself on your three <laughs> it's fine that's it's a good film it's, yeah it is good it's three really and a half stars is good it's a charming it film. is it's a film about life it makes you think about things it does and there there are elements that i like about it but on the whole i'm just like oh it's pretty good it's very 80s no it's not it's early with 90s. many 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 movies i need to give it a rewatch oh, apparently it's a theme <laughs> I think you could list about 90% of the things I've ever watched. I'm like, eh, I could give that a read. All right. So Palm Springs was, uh, it was good. It's for, for nothing, nothing coming out this year. It was, uh, it was nice to watch something new. Yeah. And it was kind of normal and blah. And on a normal year, I'm not sure I would yeah. have watched this. Yeah. But it's not a normal year <laughs> and there's very few things coming out. And this one got some hype to it. And I was like, huh. Oh, why not? Something new is nice. And I don't they they clearly could not have planned this in any way. But I think Palm Springs is the this film is the most genius thing to release like now. It's the kind of film where like they you could conceivably think like, oh, someone thought of this concept during quarantine. Yeah. And then filmed it. And because released there's it. a lot of it being stuck with the same person over and over again. 
doing the same routine. Nothing's really changing. Nothing's really advancing. Which is why I think it kind of caught on for a little bit in the social media, yeah. the the general cultural zeitgeist, because everyone was like, oh, look at this. This is like our life, but it's actually fun. And uh, yeah, well, know, that's that's a, a huge movie. thing is that it's recent. You know, it, it explores a lot of the same feelings that people do in quarantine, but it's also like it's just new enough to where you can feasibly get in before quarantine it's different they're not actually in quarantine yeah it's that'd be terrible see, i don't think anyone wants to watch a quarantine movie. exactly you see it and you're like oh this was like this was life just a year ago everyone who's working on this movie does has no idea what's about to happen and you can you're just, you're just watching it the whole time going oh remember being in places with people and and going outside and and touching things um so in that yes. sense, I agree. fate has made this a very topical. It has, film. and in that sense, I agree. Um, I'm just going to say it. I like this more than Groundhog Day, by a little bit. It is the <sighs> most. That's fine. It is the most solid. Like we talked about this when we talked about um, Bad Education, which mm-hmm. we were like, this isn't amazing, but is the most solid movie. It's just good. I feel the same way about this. It is cute. It is simple. Like painfully simple not painfully but Mm -hmm. like they waste no time in this movie i feel which is something that's rare these days like there i don't feel there's any slump or wasted time maybe right before they separate but i think there's a little slump in the middle there (laughs) right before that but (laughs) that's just your thing at this point (laughs) nothing no nothing that i complain yeah it's it's so quick and fast paced and immediate. There's no like there's no like 20 minutes leading up to the the time warp they find themselves in. Like I obviously knew what this movie is about ahead of time. So the the suspicion at the beginning of the movie when you see Andy Sandberg's character acting super nihilistic, I'm immediately like, okay, he's already in it. I get it. This is why he knows the dance moves. This is why he seems so apathetic towards everybody this is why he is having performance issues at the beginning of the movie i feel like for the people who watched this at the beginning of the year in 2020 who didn't know anything about it and just watched it at sundance that would have been one of those things where like what's going on i know what's going on it makes that beginning it, it gets you the the insight that you would need that you would get on a rewatch from the beginning and i feel like they also in such a short amount of time, they explored so much about this topic. They did all the things that you would do in any situation. I feel like. I think there was still some ground to be covered and mm-hmm. kind of took a little maybe basic level uh, of this this idea. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm, st- I'm struggling to really put together what I, I actually think about it because I, one, I like bad education a little bit more than this i think that was a bit that one more has more substance to it i feel consciously yeah put together this one doesn't it's not much of a substance it's a romantic comedy is. which is also not a film genre that i watched uh, a lot of movies in and i guess for that some of the filmmaking felt a little cliched and just kind of like playing it safe or just doing the the thing like there's some montage stuff yeah and there was nothing necessarily too expressive or new about the way that the film was put together and i suppose that was my only real gripe with the thing that it it 
it didn't feel new entirely that you know it's the rehash of groundhog day from the get-go the the filmmaking felt adequate it told the story some interesting parts and yeah i agree the the characterization was fine if a little shallow but that i had a good time throughout the whole thing like it went by quick the 90 minutes i was entertained i laughed once or twice i laughed at a few points i just find ian sandberg funny i find him really funny you know i was surprised to find out andy sandberg is 41 41 years old (laughs) he looks great he looks great for he 40. I I thought he was in his 30s. Yeah. He 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 literally looks the same Early since he has since Hot Rod 13 years ago. Well, not literally the same but close. But you know, uh he's not the the best dramatic actor, but I feel like for the for as serious as this movie was, he was fine. Like like we said, it's very quick. There's no wasted time. One other thing that I think is interesting about this movie is that Oh, I, I lost my train. One of the things was the the obligatory, uh, the couple kind of breaks up for a little yeah. bit part of the film that I felt that was a little like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. We're having this. We're at this part of the stage and then it, uh, stage of the relationship. And then the movie kind of fixed that criticism, but not entirely. Mm-hmm. With the fact that when they get back together, she's just perfectly fine with him. Like she doesn't. Yeah, there's no. She doesn't have a problem with him. It scene. was more. Yeah. It was nice. No, I like. I really appreciated Andy Samberg's character, Niles, him being the one apologizing, and there wasn't really a big deal made about it from the other party, and that felt new to me. Although that was kind of retroactively making the whole thing a little better. Yeah, in the moment, and a little less cliche. Ten or fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah. One thing. I mean, I knew the general premise. And there's only so much you can do with this premise, but what I did, what I one surprised me was J.K. Simmons. I had no idea he was in this movie, and he's the funniest part of the movie. I feel J.K. Simmons consistently shows that he's the best part of any project that anyone puts him on, and I need him to be on more things. J.K. Simmons has that. Um, he's he's just like um Leslie Nielsen. In that he says everything very straightly, but it's the way he says it. It's the fact that he takes it so straight on. Like when he's, you know, when Annie Samberg and J.K. Simmons are just sitting looking at his kids. And J.K. Simmons like, I get to live this every day. There's my niece. She's just learning to like read or whatever. There's my nephew. He's watering dog shit. It's weird. (laughs) Watering shit. I love that. That was funny. It's funny in this movie. And that was the one thing. There's a few problems I have. Um, but what I was, I was trying to get at before is that this is a movie that, you know, when we talk about bad education, there's a lot going on in that movie. It's very simple. It's very effective. But there are things there's commentary to be made there, like the, the ongoing discussion of whether or not Hugh Jackman's character was moral or not. It's interesting. It, it it adds to a rewatch value. This is a solid movie because it puts all of his cards on the table immediately and now I've seen it. I've absorbed it all. It was good. I have no real reason to go back. Other than maybe yeah, vicariously it, living through this premise. It's just It fun. has... I do like the premise. Like, living the same it day is. over and over again. It's fun. And it is very much, like... It doesn't have much substance to it. Because it kind of just gets to the substance right yeah. away. Of, like, the nihilism of... Like, you know the story like i think even people who haven't seen groundhog day or anything 
would probably have a good grasp on where this is going yeah. from the get-go. Like, I don't think anyone was at any point worried that they weren't going to escape the time loop. I, I am waiting for the film. 20 years from now, there's another Groundhog Day <laughs> remake where they don't. And it's, it's a more not, like downbeat, nihilistic film. I'm waiting for you. He's waiting for it. Death, Happy Death Day is kind of like that. Which I haven't seen. It's, well, it's not great, but it's, it's, it's crude. Still, it's, it's not offering you much surprises. And I think there's, there's something wonderfully comforting and also subversive about that. In that it is a film that is the idea of like living your day, living the same day over and over again from the get go gets you to start thinking about your own life mm -hmm. and what you're doing yeah, every single day. And you don't necessarily need a lot of substance to it in order for you to get something out of it because you're doing the legwork on your own and you're just enjoying this mm -hmm. romance on screen. And the simplicity of that, the kind of happy ending is almost like a uh, elicits a call to action in your own mind of like, what am I doing every day? Yeah. And what can I like be making every day a little mm -hmm. bit more special? And in that sense, sure. Give me more of these Groundhog Day ripoff films. I don't <laughs> well, that's mind. The thing. You know, ripoff is a strong word. It, you know, it yeah. is. I don't mean it negatively yeah. in any way. Because it's almost like it's almost like a, a form of genre in its own. The Groundhog Day. Formula. Mm -hmm. It's been done in sci-fi. It's, it's been now done becoming horror. It's been done in comedy. It's fine. I don't I don't care as long as you do something interesting with it. I think one of the interesting parts about this is that it takes place in Palm Springs, which is like a world between worlds. And it's at a at a wedding, which is a very interesting lots that scenario in particular has a lot of potential. Um and I think another thing I want to see, more films filmed in the Southwest, the desert southwest. Yeah. I just like seeing I think it's a good yeah. location. It's not used enough. It's you know it's also where I grew up, but you know, hey, I'm biased. I'll admit it's that. you know, it's fine. It it it's it's really nice and like I said, it really I feel like it it explores all the possibilities of this concept. Not all, obviously, but there's some things that I feel like most people would wouldn't go for. Like maybe flying the plane. I like that she immediately tried to kill herself driving all the way back. And like every time I had a question, like, oh, what if you could fly to France or whatever? What if, how far could you get? And they they touch on all these things. And the only well, the problem I had at the, at the end of it was that. You know, the credits start and I'm like, what happened to J.K. Simmons? They fix that. It's lovely. It's a great moment. And I love the moment when they realize that they're out of the time loop. I think it's a very nice little it is a great way to show, not tell, even if they do tell right after the show. Yes, that was really nice. The ending scene was really nice. Very effective. Yeah. Quiet. Funny. The old, My only issue is that they have a huge plot point about um, spoilers about the uh the the woman sleeping with her sister's fiance that i feel isn't adequately resolved but i guess that's something for the next day the important thing is that they got out of the time loop i also think we don't really care that's true the movie assumes we don't care in any way it's about true. the fiance it's an it, it is a good conflict but at the end of the day i only care about them getting out of the whatever i did really like that that was a nice twist in the plot of where like Two thirds of the way through, it's revealed that she's waking up every morning after having slept with uh, her sister's fiance. And I like that they they point out, which is something that they don't point out in Ground, Groundhog Day because it's a little lighter. 
um, that you can do anything you want, but the memories of what you do live on forever, which I think is important because obviously if you're, you know, super fucked up, you can kill everybody at this wedding. You can do horrible, horrible things and it will never really have an effect, but you will know that you did it and living with that, I think is terrifying. And I like that they included that as well. It's just good. It's a good movie. It's the most good. What would movie. you do if you were stuck in a time loop? I don't know. I, f- I Here's what I want for a f- like a day or two. I want to get just absolutely blackout drunk because you won't wake up with a hangover. No, because you'll, you'll black out. And you can go- do whatever you want because I assume that your body doesn't retain all the things that you had the previous day. So I don't know. It's it's I think you have to assume that you're not in any way getting older or yeah. being affected by the day so, that's being repeated. Let me think of that as I pee this house. Two beers. This is uh this is me while Chandler's gone. I'm looking at Letterboxd. Chandler finally put five stars for Naked on there. Naked's a good film. One of our friends on Letterboxd watched Husbands and gave it four stars. That's fine. I don't really like I don't think it needs more than that. Brandon Sanju. He was on our podcast last week. You should go check out his channel. That's some good content there. He posted his uh, review of Death House, which we talked about on our episode. Andrew Saladino of uh, the the YouTube channel. What, what is that? The Royal Ocean Film Society. Uh, that channel. Uh, he watched What's Up Doc. Funny film. Peter Bogdanovich. It's fun. One of the few films that I think use Barbara Streisand well, that it doesn't take her seriously. If you take a, a singer seriously on film, you're you're already on the wrong. Who are you talking to? The wrong level. Oh, I'm talking to the audience here. <laughs> I'm going through other people's letterboxed reviews. Oh no! Uh, did you see what I did to Brandon Sanchez today? Yeah, I did. Yes. <laughs> it took me an hour. <laughs> I think the time that you spent on that is the funniest part of that. Well, there's a certain point where I was laughing really hard to myself and I thought, I still got about like 80 more to go. And I thought it would be it would be horrible if I just stopped here. But yeah, it would be horrible. Horrible if you it started. Be, it wouldn't be funny if I still left another 80. But yeah, here we go. Uh, so that's pretty much all I have to say about Palm Springs. It's it, again, there's there's a lot of cute little fun moments they all add up to a consistent well-structured story it's just fun and i i agree that it's one of those things that if there was a lot more to see this year (laughs) your comment on the fellowship of the ring this really says a lot about hamilton (laughs) great i'm sorry continue that's it it's good it's fine in a in a in a dry year it is a refreshing it's just refreshing to see something this simple this cute this easily digestible in any other year it'd be like middle of the road but because we're so starved for new films it's it's up there since we're so starved for new films it's my second favorite film of the year it's it's probably mine too although can i just bring this up real quick um there's a lot of like, oh, when are we going to see tenants? Oh, everything's pushed back. Oh, the new Bond movie. There's a few things. There's a few things. But the one that breaks my heart and nobody talks about is the fact that the French Dispatch was supposed to come out this month. Where, where are the crying tweets about the French Dispatch? I was excited for the French Dispatch. And we haven't gotten any word about it. 
We, we will get it. I know. I just want my. I just want a trailer for Dune already. Oh I don't yeah. Know why they haven't given it to me. Dune, and I'm also really um, the new Charlie Kaufman movie that apparently is coming out in September, like literally less than a month from now. Yeah, this is the best movie I've yeah, seen no, so far for this that. year. Palm Springs. It's good if you want some light entertainment. You could do a lot worse these oh, yeah. days, streaming wise. Oh. Uh, I liked it. I'm not sure I'm I'm gonna return to it, but it was a it was a decent use of my time. I thought it was kind of funny. It was fine. It was enjoyable. I think there was there was one moment I hated, <laughs> and that was at the very beginning before you you know before you've gotten a, a gist of of mm-hmm. everything, and Andy Samberg um, takes over the, the speech wedding speech yeah. yeah and you're you're not 100% sure if he's just living this day again like you have an idea that he might be that just felt incredibly awkward to me and i hate awkward he things as you know i do i do i do but then after that when they start making fun of the wedding more and more and having fun with that scenario none of that was awkward cuz then yeah. you're fully like oh none of it matters but when you're still like iffy like oh is is he actually fucking up a wedding here? <laughs> That's when I was like, oh. Also, wonderful. Like this kind of awkward social thing. Wonderful performance by Molly's mom from Fargo. Where was she? In season two. She was Molly's mom. No, no. In the film, in Palm Springs. She's the main woman. She... Oh. It's Molly's mom, yeah. I did. I, did, I, I don't know her name. Didn't make that connection. Because I literally only know her from Fargo. Ah. She's only 34. She looks great. She got giant eyes. She looks yet another case of a older male lead. Well, to be fair, the age gap isn't that bad, and Andy Samberg looks twenty-eight. No, they they look the same age. They look fine, but the, I think that's saying more about Andy Samberg's yeah. uh, youngness than it is uh, her. That's true. Anyway, Palm Springs, solid on Hulu. It's best movie of the year. I looked up, and the only other movies I've seen from this year are. The Five Bloods and Invisible Man. So I'll say this is a little bit better than The Five Bloods. Technically, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was released, wide released in the US in 2020. Technically, that is... I I get a little sad knowing that, per my rules, I can't put it as a 2020 film. Yeah, you you established those rules when I try to say Under the Silver Lake was the best movie of 2019. But look who's laughing. I'm upset, but I consistency is the important yeah, that's thing. True. And I will. That's true. That is the last movie I saw in theaters before it all closed. Same, actually. I think. It's either that or Vivre Savi. Vivre 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 French. I, every once in a while, I'm going to bed and I think to myself, you know what? The thing that frustrates me most about doing the podcast is I'm constantly mispronouncing French things. And we're going to have more of it. So maybe I should just start learning how to I pronounce French I'm words. Just gonna look, look, me learning French would imply that I have respect for Godard. So no. 